You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everybody welcome to the new locked on acc podcast show we are super excited to kick things off it is monday so we have me candace cooper and host kenton gibbs from locked on wolfpack giving you that scoop every single thing that happened over the weekend we're gonna give you our hottest takes and as you know it is all about the draft we've got some big names from the acc who are taking their talents to the next level so we're gonna get right into that but we want to make sure you know that today's episode is brought to you by built bar go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20 percent off your next order kenton I cannot believe that we're already through draft season and some guys, some big names, heavy hitters are here and they're going to start their pro careers. How are you feeling, first of all, just in the grand scheme about the weekend? Was was it everything you expected or were you kind of surprised by some of the guys' names that got called? I mean, the ACC can be nothing but excited. When you look at uh, the number of players that the ACC had drafted, the conference can be nothing but excited about that. One of the more interesting things that I'm looking forward to talking about today is the discrepancy between numbers of players drafted by team and where these teams finished in the standings last year. That, to me, is one of the things that I talked about on Locked On Wolfpack. It's an indicator of what a coach is doing to me as far as not only recruiting talent, but how you're using that talent. For example, Dino Babers having so many players drafted and yet having, what, three wins? Doran only having one player drafted having eight that to me it is not only about recruiting talent it's about what you do when they get there and yes i know that there were extenuating circumstances for Baber, but he's not the only one there's a lot of coaches a lot of teams that you look at and say wait a minute now this drafting this, the amount of players you have drafted is not matching where you're at in the standings what's going on so i mean if you're an acc fan you've got to be excited regardless of what team uh you're you're rooting for about this last season now or about this draft season yeah, so now a total of 51 players who either played for the ACC or competed last year in the ACC. As we know, Notre Dame got an extra little spark in their schedule. Were selected in Cleveland. Six players were taken in the first round, followed by eight in the second, 11 in the third, seven in the fourth, seven in the fifth, and nine in the sixth, and three in the seventh round, respectively. And it all started with our guy Trevor Lawrence, who was the first pick in this year's draft and the third ACC player to be selected number one overall joining Jameis Winston back in 2015 at Florida State and Mario Williams back in 2006 for NC State. He hasn't exactly been the number one pick we all thought he was going to be, but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. Well, right? You're talking about Jameis? Mario Williams. Mario Williams was every bit of that first pick, especially when you look at who was around him in that draft. Mm. I mean, if you look at his his career, a guy who has over 100 sacks, a guy who has who was the cornerstone of that of that Texas defense up until J.J. Watt got there. I mean, to me, he lived up to the hype. Now, if you're talking about not living up to the hype between Jameis Winston and Mario Williams, I mean, one of those guys has multiple Pro Bowls. One of those guys has a $100 million contract. One of those guys has, by every account, lived up to what he was expected to be, unless you thought, oh, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, anything short of a disappointment. In that case... Sorry to tell you, Mario disappointed you a little bit, but a perennial pro bowler to me, 
No disappointment there. Facts. So talking about Trevor Lawrence, right, being the number one draft pick and having some big shoes to fill, apparently, for Mario Williams and Jameis Winston, right? I think that Trevor was obviously not a surprise pick, but a lot of people are putting a lot of pressure on him to do well with Jacksonville straight out the gate. And to me, I think it's always crazy to have these high expectations from these top-end players to make program organizations better straight out the gate. I'll tell you what, if you're comparing him to Jameis Winston and saying like, oh, he has, those are the, the next step in the progressions he has to become that in order to be considered success, the bar is fairly low for him. However, I believe that the Jaguars committed a cardinal sin. You never draft a quarterback that you're not ready for. They, as an organization, were not ready for him. The coach, when they drafted Andrew Luck, they were only a one-win team when they got that number one pick because they did not have Peyton Manning and they did a fire sale afterwards in order to intentionally go get Andrew Luck. But when you look at this Jaguars team, they are, they're not ready for him. They're not a team that, outside of him, they've got a lot of good pieces, a lot of good wet, a lot of this and that. I think DJ Chark is a, a good piece for him. Uh, other than that, I I really don't see too much on the Jaguars, and this is this is to me like if if you're trying to date right, mm-hmm. and you're trying to find your partner, find your forever partner, why are you seeking out somebody who you know is is they they live a certain type of lifestyle that's above your means if you're not prepared to provide it? Like at the end of the day, what a quarterback needs, especially a young quarterback, brand new in the league. You got all the talent in the world. If they let your body get broken up, you're not going to last very long, a la Joe Burrow. I mean, we saw what happened to him last year. He got hit 90 times through what, eight, nine weeks? If the same thing happens to Trevor Lawrence, then the same thing will happen to Trevor Lawrence in that he'll be injured, he'll be out the rest of the season, and then next year they'll be hopefully coming back and not drafting a receiver even if Jamar Chase, even if a Jamar Chase equivalent is there next year. So, I mean, the, the... I like that they bought in ETN to give him a, a, an explosive uh, every down back. I like that they they gave they you know are getting a Clemson South in Duval County, but I'm worried that they they got a, a hundred thousand dollar girl with a twenty thousand dollar salary. So is it kind of like having Travis Etienne being drafted as well, going to Jacksonville, a familiar face, what, which is what Trevor's going to need because he's going to kind of have a stinky year, like you mentioned, and not having the right assets overall in Jacksonville to help him be successful? I mean, I, I believe that the, the, the idea behind that was they need all the talent. When you're in a position where you're the worst team in the league, you should not be drafting for need. You should be drafting for best player available. And I believe that they looked at the board and said, you know what, Travis Etienne is the best player still available. He was many people's uh, running back number one, but a lot of folks are very averse to taking running backs that high in the draft now. With that being said, you've got a home run hitter. You've got a, a, a guy who is not only good in pass receiving, he's also good in pass protection in Etienne. So there is, I think, I think they took him a little high because again, I'm, even with if you look at uh, if you look at the recent history of, of running backs being drafted, I think that they took them a little high, and and you can find a good running back toward the later rounds in the draft. But I mean, hey, hopefully the like you said, the familiar face gives Trevor a little bit of of comfort and alleviates the pressure of being good right away. But I mean, again, when you look at this Jaguars team, I don't even think anybody expects them to be good next year. So you know, who who knows. 
Well, you mentioned the fact that they had uh, certain teams select more players than others, despite kind of records of last season. And a lot of people are saying it doesn't, doesn't equate the math isn't mathing considering the fact that Pitt was leading is led the league with many, the most selections from any team in the ACC. So I want to have that conversation as to what that means from a coaching and recruiting standpoint. A lot of people hang their hats on. Can you got, can you get guys to the next level? Some people hang their hats on the fact that you give them championships, right? So I think it all comes down to what do you want from your program? Are you overall happy with how your program's being led? But first I got to remind you guys that baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at better online this week has a ton of sports action we've got the fact that the nba is gearing up for playoffs the mlb is trying to have a strong solid spring more importantly we've got triple crown action gearing up you know as you head into these next few weekends get all the latest news odds and info on all your sporting needs including mlb nba nhl and ufc mma action before your next pitch head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action go to betonline.ag betonline your online sportsbook experts and 51 players from the acc were selected 42 from the traditional acc selections and of course, people are always going to talk. What are your thoughts on including Notre Dame in the count? Do you think it's like, it doesn't matter, bro. Let it go. They're never going to be part of the ACC. Or maybe still, we're still trying to give you that love and show you why you maybe should join the conference. I'll tell you what. I I I like to reference dating a lot. And so I'm going to do one more of the things that people say in terms of dating. You know, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Well, Notre Dame is the the buyer here, and the ACC is the cow giving the milk. They're giving steak. They're giving filet mignon. They're giving they're giving the kosher cuts. They're giving the best of everything to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is not gonna stay. Leave Notre Dame alone at this point. Stop it. You gave an undeserving player player of the year. You gave an undeserving coach coach of the year. You did all of this in in hopes of. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna ensnare them into being a part of us forever. Are you out of your mind, ACC? Stop it. Let it go. In the words of an ACC, uh, uh, in the words of an ACC great, stop it. Get some help. Okay, ACC, let it go. Let the delusion of Notre Dame joining full time go. Let them go about their way. And also another thing. The, the ACC Network is dropping a documentary on Notre Dame having a year in the ACC tonight. Stop it. <laughs> this is madness. Let them go on about their way. They will never be a part of our conference, and that's okay as far as football goes, and that's okay. That NBC money is looking too elite for them to then say, well, let me join a conference to share a cut of a pie that is not a, that is, is bigger, but my share would be smaller than what I have with NBC. Stop it, ACC. You're looking. You're embarrassing yourself. Well, Pitt led the league again with six selections, followed by five from Clemson and North Carolina, four from Duke, 
Florida State, Miami, and Virginia Tech, two from Boston College, Georgia Tech, Louisville, and Syracuse, and one from NC State and Wake Forest. Now, when you look at those numbers and how it kind of panned out, and then you talk about the schedule or the season turnout rankings from last year, they're a little bit skewed, right? I don't exactly, you know, have Syracuse jumping off the page, and yet they still had guys going to the draft. You don't exactly have, you know, Miami and Virginia Tech jumping off the page, and yet they still had some dogs when it was all said and done. Now, do you think that overall – it just doesn't matter where you go. If you're a good player, you're going to get found, and that's what it is. Or does it have something to do with the coaching standpoint? Because I'm looking at Dave Doran, who prides himself on getting that defense, you know, defensive guys to the draft, right, and get them to the NFL, rather. And you look at guys like North Carolina, who you just happen to be a baller, and you could have gone to Tim Buck, too, and still would have gotten the opportunity to get into the league just of, off the strength of you being good. I think the Mac Brown movement has certainly shifted things. And you talk about Clemson, of course you're going to have guys go to leave off the strength of politics and who Dabo Sweeney is. But when you look at rankings of last season and you look at guys where they ended up, do they equate? Or is it kind of just like, listen, you ball, you ball. Or if you need to be in the ACC, you kind of have to be at the top of the food chain to get considered. Well, there's, I don't think that this is an either or situation. I believe it's a, a hybrid of both. Number one, at every level, at every level, Teams want winners. When I was in high school, my my coach, uh, my head coach, Thomas Butcher, told me, uh, he said, he looked at me and he said, you know, Gibbs, you can go for the sack record. You can get close. You might even break it. But if you play that style of football, we won't win as much. We will not win a state title if you do that. And I'm like, okay, I don't, the winning is the most important thing. And and I I wanted to get mine, but I understood everybody else had to get theirs. And he told me, I know the type of guy that you are, and understand this. If we win states, not only you're already gonna get a scholarship. That's you're gonna do that. But if we win states, other players are going to get on. It's the same way in college. It's the exact same way. The more you win, the more players are gonna get drafted because teams want winners. Teams want guys who come from winning. winning teams in college because winning teams in college instills certain thoughts in you. There's still certain habits in you. For example, if you're the best player on a two and 10 team, generally the coach is going to give you more leeway than if you're the best player on Alabama, because guess what? Even if you're the best player on Alabama, your replacement ain't bad. If you're on the two and 10 team, if you're the best player, your replacement is probably due to water. So they got to keep you. They got to do what they got to do to keep you happy. But the NFL is much in the same way. The difference between the starters and the backups is so minute that you you have to run or they choose to run their teams in certain ways that mimics that of winning college teams, winning high school teams, because it's just it's uniform. It's winning certain things breed winning regardless of level. Well, I would love to know if we've gotten to a point where it doesn't matter where you go to school because if you're an all-out baller, you're going to get found, you're going to get selected. But then I look at situations like HBCUs who had nobody drafted, got guys picked up in undrafted free agency, but still, like, they didn't get their respective due. So how much is it, you know, going to a team that actually gets six to seven wins season after season, getting that exposure on a national stage, having your games on ESPN, having an ACC type stamp behind you, having the right kind of politics and people giving vouching for you versus 
people who are more on the hunt. I'm trying to go through the weeds and see who I can get as a player. Have we progressed to just like, doesn't matter where you go. doesn't matter how you finish in the conference. If you are good, you're going to get found and selected. Oh no, that's absolutely not the case. Mm -hmm. That is, we, you're, excuse me, you're delusional. If you tell yourself, regardless of where you go, you're going to be, you're going to be the guy. Like that's, that's just the reality of it. You know, there was an analyst who was talking about Aline McNeil the other day, and they were like, he's he's he was the highest graded uh, defender against the run in the country last year, right? If you look at this draft objectively and say, who has impacted the run the most on their respective teams? No defender in this draft, except maybe Micah Parsons, has the ability or has shown consistently the the drive and want to to impact another team the opponent's running game in a way that Lee McNeil does. Yet he was taken in the third round. Why? The the analyst who was talking about it said if Aline plays at Florida, if he plays at Bama, if he goes to Clemson, which he had offers from all of those schools except I want to say Florida. I, I know that he had offers from Bama, Ohio State, all the, all those big names. He said if, if he's at one of those places, he may be off the board day one. He is going to be. He will be talked about more. But at the end of the day, NC State does not have the same pedigree. Even if we, even if NC State has put out a ton of defensive linemen in recent history, they don't have the same pedigree of winning. They and that's just the reality of what it is. So with that being said, I mean, I'm just we. You're deluded if you say to yourself, "Oh, it doesn't matter where you're from. Have game, will travel." That's not the case in any league. Almost every league that you look at, these players, some of the best players in the league have to take these back roads to get there. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter where you're drafted or even if you're drafted. If you get the shot, it's time to show and prove. Well, you know, it's a great point that you bring up. And I do want to talk about, you know, the different Power Five conferences and how many people were drafted respectfully because we're trying to talk about the ACC and where they stand, you know, where you look at them in the grand scheme. How do you kind of put them when it's all said and done? I want to have that conversation of is ACC still the stepbrother trying to figure out how to be in the Big Ten, SEC, Pac-12, Big 12 conversation? Are they still or is it SEC and everybody else? And that's kind of how it forever will be. I'm going to have that conversation as we wrap up today's show. But first, remind you guys that if you have not yet tried Built Bar, you are missing out on some great treats that'll keep you fit, help you stay nice and toned. Lean on it. I'm telling you, it's the best tasting protein bar ever with 18 amazing flavors that are 100% covered in chocolate. Built Bar is even more delicious. If you're a health conscious person like me, you'll enjoy Built Bar because it's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 15% off your next order. Where does ACC stand in the marketplace in terms of colleges, right? You have, you're fooling yourself, according to Ken, if you think you can go just anywhere and get picked, right? But listen, SEC, 65 players in the draft. 15th straight year, the SEC was the king of the NFL draft. It's SEC and everybody else, right? It clearly just means more. But how can the ACC get in that conversation? Will it be them getting into more college football playoffs, right? Will it be more so the fact that they have stronger teams throughout the entire year? Because if we're going to keep it a band, ACC wasn't exactly, you know, jumping off anybody's socks, knocking any socks off last year, right? It was a pretty tough conference overall. There wasn't anybody who was like true. It was Clemson and everybody else. I won't put Notre Dame in there because I don't really count them, right? 
So how can the ACC get to that level where they are putting up to 60 guys in the draft every single year and we can get in that conversation of being one of the top dogs of the NFL draft? I don't think people understand this, but we are all these things ebb and flow, first of all. Second of all, if you're looking at it as SEC and everybody else, sure, that's a way to look at it. And that's not an incorrect way to look at it. But if you want to frame it another way, you could frame it as, well, who's after the SEC? What's the pecking order after the SEC? The ACC has to be the conference as far as football goes. We've got to be the next conference in line. I mean, no other conference to me, you could drop off a middle-of-the-road team from them in any other conference, and they win 10 games or so. You can't drop off a, a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team in in ACC, in the ACC, and believe, oh, yeah, they, they'd be all right. They'd be just fine. Really? Same with the Pac-12, same with the Big 12. I mean, you, you tell me. If, if you can think of a team that is that finished fourth, fifth, or lower, and you're like, eh, I could drop them off in ACC, and they'd be all right. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, I don't see that being the case for any of these teams, especially if you look at what the ACC was last year with Notre Dame. I don't... I don't see that as a situation of, oh, yeah, it's you could just drop off any team from there in our conference. And to me, it's not just about the top dogs because our top dogs are better than everybody else's top dogs except the SEC. And even with the SEC, if you look at their top dogs, it, wasn't it LSU a couple years ago? And now LSU has fallen off a cliff virtually. Now it's Alabama again. And granted, even if you say, well, that was just a one-year aberration, okay, fine. Alabama's the top dog, and they're better than everybody else's top dog. Sure. The SEC, top to bottom, sure. They're better than every other conference. The Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. I watched a Michigan team that proved themselves to just be god-awful down the stretch, dominate Minnesota early in the team. A Minnesota team that everybody was super excited about. Everybody said was going to be better. Everybody said, oh, yeah, P.J. Flex got it going. He's got his class of recruits in there. Look what happened. The Pac-12, I I don't – I'm sorry, but who who there is to be worried about at all? I don't – even the best team out of the Pac-12. If I was to actually name the best football team in the Pac-12 right now, what would you say? USC. And that's only because I, I know them, not because okay. I actually have gone in-depth so, to what they're doing. Exactly. So USC is a brand name, but even with them, I mean, what – like, didn't they get into the conference champion? No. Oregon was a team that got into the conference championship because another team had COVID issues. But USC lost to an Oregon team that shouldn't have been there. But for COVID. So, I mean, what are we? Big 12. Defense is optional, number one. Number two, even their big dogs don't know what's going on. Even their big dogs. Spencer Rattler had to be benched at some point in time. Oklahoma State defense was looking good for a majority of the season. And then the mullet go mullet and boom. All of a sudden, they couldn't they couldn't stop a run with uh, tissue, Robitussin, and three shots of COVID vaccine. So, I mean, the, when I'm looking at what these conferences are, it's clear SEC first, then there's a gap, and then there's the ACC at right after. But the, all these other Power Five conferences, doesn't matter how many you have drafted to me. When you look at these teams up and down the board, I'm not seeing any conferences good, so. I mean, this was this was a down year for ACC basketball, but football, nah. There's there's nobody who's really uh, there's nobody who can really make an objective claim that we're much better than the ACC. 
And that's interesting. Maybe it was a down year for football. I mean, we take into consideration the fact that there was a whole p- pandemic going on and maybe everything was just, we had guys opt out. So we didn't get the true seasons that we, you know, of course deserve, but it's time will tell, right? We have a whole issue. This fall should be pretty much back to quote unquote normalcy. And so we'll have to really kind of have the litmus test of where the ACC lands when it comes to draft picks. But I also want to get into conversations as we go throughout the week, not only on the NFL draft, but a lot of the transfer portals gotten busy got some guys from nc state from syracuse right some other teams looking to take their talents elsewhere and i think that conversation should be had right there is going to be a struggle to find a home come fall and i am uh, you know hoping guys find the right situation and ladies as well the right situations for them I want to thank Kenton Gibbs for joining monday's show some great insights can you please remind folks of where they can follow you and your work well you can follow me at locked on or LO underscore Wolfpack. I apologize, LO underscore Wolfpack. Uh, wherever you're getting your podcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can go ahead and look up Locked On Wolfpack. I'll be there for you providing uh, daily insights into everything NC State. Uh, I also have another um, podcast called Facts Over Acts. That is another one that you can find anywhere that you're finding this podcast. And uh, TGIF underscore Kenton on Twitter, or just type in my name, Kenton Gibbs. It'll, I'll be the first person to pop up, all right? Well, I appreciate your time, and thanks for joining me on my first ever Locked on ACC show. It's really going to be a great time, a good vibe. Tomorrow we have J.J. Jackson from Locked on Blue Devils. So, again, some great insight as Duke has some really good players, a little sleepers there, right? Michael Carter and Michael Carter joining the New York Jets. So we'll have that conversation for you tomorrow. Make sure you guys download Locked on Today podcast. The draft might be over, but who won, who lost? That's the question of the day. So get more sports. Sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. I hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday, and we'll talk again soon. Until next time. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.